to run to the back. I've forgotten to put on my microphone this morning. So. So our good news story of the week takes place in a Home Depot. You can put a picture up there. I think I've got one. Okay. So uh, Christian and uh, Julian Moore walked in to the Home Depot in Cedartown, Georgia, just earlier this week with the intention of building a walker for their son, Logan, who's in that picture. Logan was born with hypotonia, a condition that makes it difficult to build strong muscle mass. And this condition makes it harder for Logan to walk and stand. The physical therapist told them, told them they should get a gait trainer, basically a little kid's walker. Um, they weren't sure, though, if their insurance would cover it and if they would be able to afford that. But they happened to look online at YouTube and somebody showed how to make a gate trainer out of PVC pipe and other parts that you can just get at Home Depot. And they had a parts list and everything. So they printed out the parts list and they went into Home Depot to put together, to buy the parts for this uh, gate trainer. Um, they showed the list to one of the employees. The employees called the store manager. And the employees started getting the parts together and they said, go get ice cream, come back in an hour. So they came back an hour later, they not only got all the parts, they put it all together, they made it look all nice, they put his name on the front, and they said, when they said, how much does this cost, they said, this one's on us. And so Logan got his gate trainer, and, and uh, now, I've seen this, it's interesting, this, this news story, not everybody's taking it as good news, because it started off as a good news story, and then some people started jumping out and say, boy, it shows how bad our health care is. They had to go to Home Depot to get a thing. You know, it's like, let's not knock the good that some people did. Not everybody sees good news in the same way. It's something that we mentioned last week. You know, for us, the good news of salvation, the good news of salvation through Jesus is good news. But for those who don't believe, it's terrible news. And that's why they reject it. But the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus always results in some kind of action. And that's what we've been saying over the last month. It changes individual lives, it changes communities, and it changes our society. The good news is true action news. And it's an action that, as a church, we all do together. So let's pray as we go into Philippians. Lord, today we thank you for the transforming power of the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. We pray that this morning we will all be changed by hearing from you. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So we are in Philippians 2, starting in verse 19. And this is somewhat uh, part two from last week. Last week we talked about how the church needs to have an attitude of humility in order to make the gospel go forward. And Jesus was the ultimate example of humility. And today we're going to get three more examples of humble people in the church working together to move the gospel. So Philippians 2, 19 through 23. The Apostle Paul writes, Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, 
so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. So our first character that we're going to meet today is Timothy. Timothy is the caring substitute. Timothy's a caring substitute. Paul's going to send Timothy, and his job is going to be to go to Philippi, get the news of what's going on in the church, and bring that back to Paul. And, of course, while he's there, he's filling in for Paul. He'll probably do some teaching and encouraging and stuff like that. Because Paul considers Timothy uh, like-minded as himself. He's equal in his in his mental outlook, not just his knowledge, but in how he goes about doing things. And what he specifically talks about is Timothy's humility, which he's just previously talked about how the church has to have the humble mind of Christ. Timothy, he says, has that. He says, Timothy genuinely cares about your interests, even though other people think about their own interests. Timothy thinks about you, church. He says, Timothy also genuinely cares about what Jesus cares about, not just for himself. And so Timothy shows the humility that the church is supposed to have. Saying, you want, I want to send Timothy because he really cares, and you can use him as an example of the humility I was just telling you about. And not just humility, says, Timothy has proven character. He says, you've, it's not like he's some newbie. He says, we all know Timothy, and he's a good guy, upright person. In fact, Paul says, Timothy, he's served with me like, like family, like I'm his dad and he's my son. I trust him like family. He's a substitute for Paul, but he's a substitute that really cares and is really knowledgeable, not just a fill-in who doesn't know what they're doing. Now, when I was in high school, 10th grade, I was in Algebra two honors class. And some of, some of the stories I'm going to fill in, I actually found out later after I was out of that class. Um, so we had a, a teacher, and we came into uh, Algebra two honors class, and we weren't getting along with our teacher at all. We weren't understanding what we were, what she was trying to teach us. We just weren't getting it. And um, she ended up early in the school year; she was pregnant, and so she left to go on maternity leave, and we got switched over to Mr. Bishop while she was on maternity leave. And then uh, after her maternity leave was over, our first teacher came back, and Mr. Bishop told us, okay, you're going to be going back to your other teacher. And we said, no, no, no. We know you're just our sub, technically, but we are learning here. Don't send us back. And see, what it, what I believe it happened with our previous teacher is I found out from some previous graduates of my high school that she had been teaching, it's not that she didn't know the math, and it's not that she didn't care about us, but she had been teaching remedial math, and so she had had these students that were kind of troublemakers and stuff like that in school, and I think, my guess is, they were kind of giving her a break. We're going to be an honors class. Those are good students. The thing is, Honor students have a lot of attitude, too, just different kind. 
And so we weren't really giving her a break. We had students walking out of her class because they said, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, we, we just had a different kind of attitude. And, and we, we didn't get along. But Mr. Bishop, as our substitute, he knew what he was doing, and he really cared. And so that class of Algebra two honor students, we stayed with Mr. Bishop for Algebra two honors. And through calculus one and two, we, we just stayed with Mr. Bishop. And that's the kind of person that Timothy is, that Paul is sending Timothy. He's like, he knows all the stuff I know, and he really cares, and he really understands you. So you can stick with him, even though Paul is in prison. And so for us in church, you know, we have to find those opportunities where we need to fill in. Look for those gaps in ministry. And it's not necessarily waiting for someone else to step down. You know, my first Sunday school class I taught when I was 17 years old. I was a sound guy at, at my church, and our worship leader taught youth Sunday school. And she was having a hard time practicing for church and teaching her class. And so one day she asked me, she says, she says, I'm just so busy. Would you mind taking my class next week? I said, yeah, I'll take your class. I'll sub. And so I subbed for a class for a week. And, and then like a couple of weeks later, she asked, can you sub my class again? I said, yeah, I love subbing your class. She says, do you want to have it? It's not that she didn't love the kids, but she had two things going on at the same time. I said, yeah. Sometimes there's those gaps that where one person's doing too much. Sometimes there's gaps where just things aren't getting done. We look for those opportunities to fill in. And, you know, there are ministries in the church doing various service, teaching, prayer. And there are also ministries outside the church that are still ministry. My two, besides like what you see me doing up front here and during the week, two of my biggest ministries are being on the board of Tubman and being on the school board. That's Christian ministry. That's not politics for me. That's not social work. That's ministry. It's not just helping people in our community, but it's giving me relationships because I'm not working with Christians in these situations. So it's not just what we do in here. We need you in here. I need you out there. Christ needs us out there. We go out there and we care. Not I care not about my own interests, but the interests of others. And we said last week that it's looking out for the interests of each other in this room, and it's looking out for the interests of those who are not in this room. Timothy is a dedicated worker, and the gospel action requires dedicated workers who are not just looking out for themselves. And he goes on, Paul tells him about another worker, Epaphroditus. Philippians 2, starting verse 24. He says, I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon, but I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger, and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. 
However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have to suffer sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him to you, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and that I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and hold people like him in honor, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Epaphroditus. Timothy is the caring substitute. Epaphroditus is the committed soldier. Interesting thing, you know, sometimes Christians get, uh, in the New Testament, we see them get nicknames. Uh, you know, Peter, you know, Simon Peter, his name's actually Simon, Jesus calls him Peter, calls him Rock. Um, uh, Barnabas, son of encouragement. Epaphroditus, they didn't change his name. I, 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 that was one of the first things I looked up, but what does his name mean? Uh, it, his name could mean lovely or actually devoted to Aphrodite. So this guy is a probably a uh, a Gentile convert because he's named after devotion to the god Aphrodite. But he was from Philippi. What had happened was what we're seeing in this situation. He was in Philippi when Paul was there. Paul's now in prison, and so the church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus to go minister to Paul. And so as he's there ministering to Paul and with Paul. Well, he doesn't just go there. He probably goes there maybe to take Paul food or whatever it needs he needs in prison. But he doesn't just go there and drop off this food. He becomes a worker with Paul. Paul calls him a brother. He calls him a fellow worker. The word there is the word that we get our word synergy from. He's like, because he was there, our work was even better. And he calls him a fellow soldier. And he ministers to Paul's needs. And again, that word there is, is like for the idea of a public or military servant. And Epaphroditus, we don't know how old or young he was, but he worked until he was sick. He was so sick that he nearly died. That's how hard this guy worked. We don't know if it was because he was doing ministry in a prison and who knows what diseases are going around there, but he was working for the church and for Paul, and he nearly worked himself to death. And Paul says he was thankful to God's mercy that he restored his health. He says, it wasn't just good for Epaphroditus. He says, it was good for me. He says, he came from your church in Philippi, but if he had died, he says, I would have felt bad. Because this is, he became like a brother to me and a fellow co-worker. He says, I didn't want to lose this guy. He says, so now I'm sending him back to the church so that you'll know that he's all right. And so this great work that he's been doing with me, he can now do there again. He's a really committed soldier. I've got pictures here. The man on your left, he's a husband of a friend of mine I went to school with. He's got two daughters now. He's a committed soldier. He's a he's a Marine pilot. So technically, I can't call him a soldier then. He's a Marine. <laughs> he's a committed soldier, and as I look at him and why he does what he does, a committed soldier, to me, is someone who will do anything to save lives. 
Now, sometimes that means taking a life, but that's not why they're doing it. He fights for his wife and kids as well as his country. There's a book called One Crowded, One Crowded Hour uh, where the author describes an incident in Borneo. This was 1964. The, uh, the uh, generals went to these fighters in, in Nepal and they asked them if they would be willing to jump from airplanes in combat against the Indonesians. They had never been paratroopers in Nepal before. And so they didn't clearly understand what was involved, but they bravely said they would do it. They just asked that the plane would fly slowly over a swampy area and no higher than 100 feet. And they said, well, parachutes won't work under 100 feet. And the Nepal soldier said, oh, you didn't mention the parachutes before. See, these were committed soldiers. When they were asked, would you be willing to jump out of an airplane? They said, yeah, I'd be willing to jump out of an airplane. Just make sure after I jump out of that airplane, I can still fight. So drop me over a swamp. They were committed. That's commitment like Epaphroditus. I will work myself to death. Now, I don't recommend working yourself to death. But that was his commitment level. Today is our first day of membership affirmation. And when uh, later on, when we come up to uh, take the Lord's table, uh, you don't have to be a member to take the Lord's table, but this is your opportunity. There's two copies of the membership affirmation up here. There's a white copy that you will return to the church, and then there's a cool copy that you can keep for yourself. And we do this every year. It's, it's, and what it says at the top, you know, we say I do one time in a marriage covenant, covenant, but we celebrate the commitment every anniversary. And we do the same thing with our commitment to our local church. And while, while what we have to commit to as far as our denomination, the Wesleyan churches is fairly simple. You know, that I have faith in Christ and, and, and that I've been baptized and, and I'm living, you know, and the Holy Spirit is working in my life, that I know what Wesleyans believe. And, and then we have this one little kind of generic statement, I commit to live out the mission and vision of the Wesleyan church through a discipling relationship with my local church, Hartwood Church. Now, with that part... I'm asking for something, as we've done in the past, some specifics. How do I live out a discipling relationship with Hartwood Church? I need to tell the church story and my story, encapsulating the phrase, life, strength, Hartwood. Intentionally building a relationship and doing life together with at least one person not yet in the faith. Regularly praying for my one person who is not yet in the faith. And strengthening my faith and the community by engaging in discipleship, regularly attending church, having a ministry, sacrificially giving, and being involved in the community beyond Sunday morning. 
I'm asking for a commitment. Because the church needs committed soldiers. Because we're here to save lives. A church that kills people is not a church. A church that lets people die is not a church. We're here to save people, and gospel action requires dedicated workers. There's one more person in this little story. We have Timothy, who's our caring substitute. We have Epaphroditus, who's a committed soldier. But who's writing this? Paul. He says in verse 24, I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. Paul is the confined senior. And maybe some of you can relate to this today. I'd say, you know what? My body just doesn't let me be a soldier anymore. Paul's in prison. He can't go anywhere. But we know from chapter 1, verse 4, Paul is the one praying for the church. Does somebody need some help? Yeah, okay. Thank you, Judy. Paul's the one praying for the church. Paul is the one writing the letter of encouragement to the church, even though he can't go anywhere. Paul is the one sending others to the church. Timothy is like his son. He needs Timothy. Epaphroditus is ministering to him and making his ministry so much better. And he sends Epaphroditus. He is showing the humility in a different way, or actually in that same way, putting others' needs above himself. He could use Timothy and Epaphroditus right where he is, but he sends them to the church, even though he can't go himself. Charles Osgood told a story of there was two ladies who were living in a convalescent center, and each had suffered a stroke. Margaret's stroke left her left side restricted, and Ruth's stroke damaged her right side. But it happened to be that both these ladies were pianists, who had both given up hope of ever playing again. So the music director sat them down at the piano together, said, one of you has a left side, one of you has a right side, and they learned to play together. See, I know I myself may get to a point, or some people in our congregation may already be at the point where I don't have the strength, the health, the mobility, the mental ability or education to do the ministry that I used to do. You know what? Every winter when I'm out shoveling snow or blowing snow, I think, you know what? There's going to be one day when I just won't be able to do this. But I can't define myself by my limitation. My ability to follow Jesus and to lead others to a relationship in Jesus is not defined by my limitations. It's defined by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. 
Could you imagine what would, our example of humility is Jesus Christ from earlier in this chapter. Jesus limited himself. Taking none of his power as God. Did he define himself by his limitations? A leper comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, heal me. Well, you know, I can't do that because I'm not using all my God power. Why don't you go to the doctor? And I don't want to get sick. Stay away from me unclean because I'm just a human. Jesus used... Think about this. Jesus, even though he was God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, which means he used the same power of the Holy Spirit that we use. He defined himself how God the Father defined him, and he saved us all. Gospel action requires dedicated workers. Let's not define ourselves individually or as a church by what we can't, what we think we can't do. There was a, there's a lady, this was in 2007, Amy Wolf. She heard the statistics for for suicides in her community, and she was just devastated when she heard that. But she said, what can I do? She says, I'm not a mental health professional or anything. She says, I have no resources, no, no skills. What am I supposed to do about this? She didn't know what to do with anything. He was thinking about self-harm. She felt completely helpless. So she did what she could do. She made some signs that were positive thinking kind of signs. Don't give up. Your mistakes don't define you. And she put them up in her yard and she started going around to her neighbors just saying, would you put this sign up in your yard or in your front window? And those signs started going through the community And then people started asking to buy them. Within a few days, she had sold 150 yard signs. And so her husband decided to make a website so they could sell the signs just at cost. Within a year, there were signs in Oregon and Texas and Massachusetts and Cincinnati They thought, people thought those signs were just genius. She now sells signs in all 50 states and in 26 countries and in six different languages. She wasn't looking to start a business. She was just looking to stop, help stop suicides in her community. She didn't know how to make a website. She just knew how to say encouraging things and write it on a sign. 
Now, everybody knows in her town who she is and where those signs came from. And one day, a middle school boy knocked on her window when she was in the drop-off lane at school. And he pointed to the sign that says, You Matter. And he told her, seeing that made me feel special and good about myself. Thank you. She was dedicated to do what she could do. And may we be dedicated to do what we can do in the power of God's Spirit. Let's pray. God, you are king. So let us rejoice. And not just us. Let the multitudes of the earth rejoice. Just as the heavens declare your righteousness. Lord, we pray that all will bow down and worship you. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all other gods. Empower us with the light that springs up for righteousness and joyful gladness. Lord, today we empower, we pray that you empower us to do the things that we think are impossible by your blood and by your spirit to transform our families, to transform ourselves, to transform our neighbors and friends and co-workers, to transform our community, to be an influence to that one person who doesn't know you that we are doing life with. Whether we have the skills to run a ministry like Timothy, or whether we have the dedication to, to energize a ministry like Epaphroditus, or whether we feel we have limitations like Paul, we pray that you use us. I pray that you use me to bring people closer to you. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, our power and strength. Amen.